Hi, welcome to the CX Tipping Point podcast. Citizens deserve a government they can trust. This is where we bring together leaders from government and industry to reveal the secrets behind how we're transforming customer and citizen experiences. On the show, we chat with unsung heroes who work behind the scenes to improve the lives of citizens and government employees. We learn from the people who do it and the challenges they face. I'm your host, Martha Doris. Let's do it. Welcome to the CX Tipping Point podcast. Today, we're talking to Bob Kale, the program manager for the Defense Health Agency's Web and Mobile Technology Program and um, a 2023 Service to the Citizen Award winner. So um, welcome to the CX Tipping Point podcast, Bob. Ah, thank you. Good to be here. And thank you for talking to us today. It's um, This is a really um, important area and something that I've focused on in, in my own um, career, GSA, and, and helping agencies with kind of modernizing uh, websites and, and uh, mobile apps. So um, nice. it's, it's exciting for me to get to talk to you today. And I love meeting new people that haven't been in my kind of sphere in the past. So um, can you, let's just start by getting like the background and kind of overview of your journey to where you got to today. And then we'll go into like specific roles and responsibilities that, uh, that you have as the PM um, at DHS's web and mobile technology program. Sure. I I started with IT and programming in the Air Force fairly young. Um, I just was lucky to get into the uh, um, IT side, actually. And since then, I've, I've done a variety of jobs within it. Um, you know, it, it concerns things when you're in there. What can be a computer could be a mainframe. It was desktops back then. We're just starting, or it would be some big tactical, you know, two and a half ton van on the back of a, a five ton truck. So any of those, and I've worked all of those jobs, but um, the one I liked best was the uh, desktops. Mm-hmm. And very early on, I did assembly programming. It was on the 8080, 8086, 8088 CPUs. And that was fun. I liked the programming. I instantly went into the intelligence world. So that mm-hmm. opens up a lot more opportunity to program different things. Uh, and then I sort of fell into the software side because as we upgraded into the newer CPUs at the time, this is the 80s, the 386, 486, I noticed that hardware was becoming a little harder to work on because they layered the circuit boards. And I jumped over to software and did a lot more programming with uh, assembly. And so that sort of got me into the programming side. Then I did a lot of um, websites. I spent most of my time in Korea, did a big five years up in Misawa, Japan, retired, became a contractor programming in Korea again. And I was in the intelligence world. And fortunately, I got the opportunity to do some R&D work, research and development in the intelligence side in Korea, which 
that was the niche that I liked. Um, you know, the websites and mobile apps, very important, but they become very routine, even though mm -hmm. each has little challenges, but at the core, it's it just wasn't exciting enough. But the R&D, you would get very little guidance. You know, I, I remember somebody walking by saying, hey, collect this North Korean voice. There's no hows, but you would just figure it out and do it. So I like that puzzle of doing these new things. And that sort of leads into, I, I came back to the States. I'm in Olympia, Washington. I came back in 2006, okay. getting there almost. And I went to the private world and then I did, uh, there was Java programming and then director of IT for private company. And then that led me back into the government civilian world in 2009. And I've been doing that since. And what attracted me was it was the National Center for Teleton Technology was the fact that they were building new things for post-traumatic stress, um, traumatic brain injury, suicide. They were doing innovative things with technology to help. And that attracted me much more than trying to make some millionaire richer by programming. So, mm -hmm. And that's how I got into this area here. So in defense health, do you want to give us like the high high level, like what is the mission of the Defense Health Agency for those of us who don't work in that in the healthcare space? Um, I'll do the best I can. Every day. Uh, so the Defense Health Agency has changed into a new mission. They support combat commands more than they did in the past. And they have sort of administrative um, oversight of all the military treatment facilities now. So we sort of work closer to with the military treatment facilities hospitals for the service members and we're we're more of the higher up now there are enterprise services that dha does and that's where what we do in web and mobile technologies well it's very inspiring i mean i loved what you said about i'd rather i mean the mission that you can be a part of in the government as opposed to making rich people richer, right? Like, right. Um, you know, I spent 34 years at GSA and got into this um, customer experience, citizen services area. So when I retired, I wanted to continue in, you know, moving that mission along, even though I was on the outside. So um, it, it allows me to do these kinds of things with the podcast and with the service to the citizen awards. I loved your, I also loved your story about like, just the history. I think the first desktop I was involved with was a Wang. So that tells you how long ago. It was like in the 90, yeah. 91 timeframe. So um, I was in the 80s uh, for sure. <laughs> you used to have to program to the CPU back then for things. And yeah, was I wasn't before. as technical as you are for sure. I did some COBOL programming, but not, not, I didn't do stuff at the, at the level that you did. Um, so your um, portfolio in includes almost 40 native mobile apps, seven progressive web apps, two virtual reality apps, and projects focused on knowledge management and collaboration within um, DHA. Applications cover categories such as patient health, provider tools, personnel readiness, and organizational management. And I was really taken aback and interested in the knowledge management area because I, I've actually worked with a, several agencies and it doesn't seem like agencies are spending a lot of time 
on having the, the knowledge management um, as a focus. Um, what, what do you, what do you, how do you all look at it and, and uh, apply it within your organization? Yeah. So we have two websites, public websites. They're always talked about as the two approved ones through Congress uh -huh. for the military health system. We have health.mil and tricare.mil. So tricare.mil, of course, focuses on all things tricare and, and payments and that. But health.mil is 100% um, informational. And that's the one where we put in the knowledge management. Um, we've uh -huh. added a lot of progressive web apps into it, which are very knowledge management oriented. And so they're publicly available like that. And we have some related specifically to certain hospitals out there as well. So we have those sites. So we're able to do that. Somebody you, what is a progressive app? A progressive web app would be, so Google APIs, it's basically okay. allows a website to work very well on a mobile device. Okay. It allows for offline functionality. So in a certain file, we can say, hey, we want these set of videos to be mandatory and they will download those and they will be on your phone so it can work offline with no internet. And behind scenes, it has web workers that will pull things asynchronously as needed, but it works very, very well on all mobile devices. Whereas native apps, you are specifically writing towards either Apple devices or Android mm -hmm. devices. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at your, I mean, I know you have a lot more sites than the ones that are public, but how do you, go through, I mean, do you, and assess their, not necessarily just their success, but where there's issues, where people are, you know, falling off the journey, you know, the feedback that you're getting on the experience people are having, how does that work? So we have, we have a couple methods. Of course, we have the DOD's approved version of Google Analytics. I think it's all federal government, actually. So it's really Google Analytics, but on a federal server. Mm -hmm, so we can mm -hmm. see the usage stuff, which mm -hmm. you know, is important, but we also integrate feedback into the apps so we can get feedback sent to us and act on it in that manner. And then we work closely with the functional side on, on the feedback as well. And if you have apps in the public stores, they can put comments and rate them with stars and such as well. But for those that don't do it like the progressive web apps, we created our own module to emulate that in terms of stars and feedback. Do you ever um, take data from the contact centers and feed it into the, the, the web team in terms of what people are asking about or where they're having problems? We, we kind of manage that ourselves a bit and go to uh -huh. the functionals with what we get back uh -huh. um, you know there's good there's bad and you you take it and and anything that has value you want to address right feedback's a gift right yeah i yeah. mean i mean listening to people and getting their uh feedback on what's working what's not and you know i know with the 21st century idea i don't know if you guys um pay attention to um, that the Integrated Digital Experience Act. I mean, it's it lays out like accessibility, plain language, all the all the use of search, electronic forms, 
digital signatures, all that, all that stuff. So um, for modernizing websites, but. To me, I those are so, all just, just common sense, right? Those are things. I totally, I'm so glad you, you said should that. do that. You should. Yes. I don't know what they say, but <laughs> you should. I have a usability lab and user experience folks as well. And we will put apps and things in front of service members and use that feedback before it goes out. So, oh, wonderful. Yeah. Do you, what, um, how does that work? I mean, at GSA, we used to have a usability program uh, called First Friday, but usability labs are so important. So yeah. do, you, do you have a group that, so you bring in servicemen and women and then let them? Yep. We have uh, dedicated staff, of course, and then we have graphical folks, user experience folks. Um, we have a lab environment. It can be of many different things, but Basically, if we want to do a focus group to see how people are using apps or what they can bring us back to improve it, we like to do it early and often, really. So to me, you know, we have a couple things. I have the usability lab. I also have ethical hackers because I believe you should hack your stuff first. And these things are part of my development lifecycle. They're not just like one-offs or afterthoughts. They're, they're part of our development cycle of all our products. Well, this is a, I mean, it's really fascinating because, I mean, you know, there's like millions of dollars spent on developing things that they never have users involved in. And so you're bringing your, your users in and your, um, and, and testing along the way, like throughout the process. And that's exactly the way it should be done. And including on the cybersecurity front, anything else you want to add to about cybersecurity in the way, I mean, I think the ethical hacking is, is, is a great best practice. Oh yeah. We, we spent a lot of time on that. I actually learned to crack mobile apps myself. And then I wrote a static library to detect the things you do to crack it To So if somebody's trying to do it, we can see it. Um, I had a seven step process um not not that anyone couldn't eventually hack it they can it's going to take a lot of time the furthest anyone ever got was step three they just gave up and i've talked to experts who write the books on like ios hacking and that and i've talked to them at at cybersecurity conferences and they're like look i wouldn't even bother because there's much easier things to to crack than to deal with mm -hmm. all so we take that very seriously. Um, we got web, mobile, database. We tend to be software specific with it, but yeah. And uh, yeah, but we, across the board, whatever certs and knowledge there is in cybersecurity, we have it ourselves within our own program management office. So I'm involved with the U.S. Cyber Challenge program, which actually takes, this year we took between two and 250 people through um, U.S. cyber camps over the summer. And then they do a capture the flag at the end of each camp. And then they do a national cyber bowl um, and a big, um, then we announce the winners of the national cyber bowl in October. But um, I'll have to follow up with you offline because I think you'd love um, this program and your experience and expertise that the kids would, or the attendees would love um, to hear your perspective on this. Um, so, so you talked a little bit about the, the benefits and the value. I mean, when you, when you go into 
request funding for kind of new, you know, features or applications. Is there anything that you, any advice you can give to people on how do you capture the benefits and defend the, you know, the money that you're requesting or uh, capturing the benefits to active service members, clinicians, veterans, families? Yeah, the, the usability lab can be helpful for that with some prototyping as well. We we do that a lot. The more specifics you can get, the better, right? If we put a prototype in front of service members and we use that feedback to back our request, that, that's helped us the most, I think. Um, otherwise, it's the same game everyone else does, right? W- without any user input. <laughs> So. I mean, you really are directly uh, impact the health care, right, of yeah. servicemen and women. And so um, even even capturing reduced health care costs because people are able to get things done on a, you know, a proactive basis, you know, as opposed to waiting till there's problems. For, I, for sure. I recently talked to um, a a doctor over at the VA who they were doing a nutrition, um, it's nutrition and food services program and helping to reduce diabetes within the VA population. And it's like, I could see clearly that getting feedback from your community, your, your customers, right? Servicemen and women, veterans, whatever. And then feeding that into programs that then, allow them to improve their health and the reduced health care costs. But it's, I mean, I know that's a hard, a hard data to acquire sometimes and actually um, defend, but. Um, yeah, because there's no cost back to you directly. So you can't like in the private world, the cost avoidance, right. Return on investment and that, but um, yeah, I, I just, the nice thing with mobile is you can put out a lot of smaller apps quickly and get feedback that way. Right. I mean, you could, you, and it's important to fail early and, and often we do that all the time. It's, we have an innovations group too, that builds a lot of our, you know, we're into biosensors. Uh, you mentioned virtual reality, um, augmented reality. We're into blockchains, um, all kinds of sensors for sleep and and that. We just did a, a demo at the um, Health Museum of, of Science in DC that was on using Whisper AI to capture voice, turn it into text and to get sentiment analysis. And we're gonna add that into our mood tracking app, you know, so you can, you can tell, you know, like if you're talking, you can immediately see if it's more negative, positive, you can get that sentiment feedback immediately. And, and it can go along with the rest of your mood data because we've integrated Fitbit data into it and such if, if someone wants to. So, the more so when the you better. integrate the data, you know, like Fitbit data, does that integrate into an app that you have or into the website or how does that? It's, it's, we have a app called mood tracker. It, it's an option to integrate it in that. Um, so my goal, we also have a blockchain mood tracker and I use the DHA coin in air quotes. It's not official, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a mobile app that when a user downloads it, we give them cryptocurrency, digital currency and, mm-hmm. 
as they use it, they get more digital currency. And then when they get enough, they can buy services back from us, like integrating Fitbit and such. And that's where we're heading with everything. And, and uh, just that would just encourage usage. It's almost game-like, right? You, I was going to say you're gamifying yeah, it, right? Yep. And without doing the big game programming. Right, you right. blockchain to do it, yeah. which is much easier to get out the door than than doing a unity mobile app which we do so i can compare the development and tell so speaking of what you said that's one of your goals so when you think when you get up every day um what do you what excites you about like the work that you do and going to work every day and then where where do you see this going you know what are some of future plans that you have um around the use of all these innovative technologies and the mobile apps and so we're one thing I'm doing is we're trying to integrate them all together. And my thought is there won't be 40 mobile apps. There'll be one that you create out of modules that we have through API calls to the cloud, you know, serverless functions, all of the new technologies being used. So if you just wanted something for mood, that would be the core where you start. And if you decide, hey, I want a module or add-on, you can pay that DHA coin to me and we will give you, you know, an add-on for Fitbit or for sleep or for whatever. So you build your own app. That's my goal. So then everything's just in one place and it's just a bunch of modules and you build the app that serves your, serves your needs versus me trying to figure out what you want. So from a customer experience perspective, we would say you're simplifying it, right? So you're yeah. going to make it so that they don't have like all these different yeah. apps that they have to work with. They can kind of work within one and you're personalizing it or individualizing it so yeah. that it's specific to their um, to their needs. So that's that, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, do, do you get any feedback? Do you ever get feedback from other people or ideas on, you know, Oh, we'd like for you to integrate this or that. Oh, all the time, all the time. Yeah, everywhere. We we go to, you know, blockchain events, cybersecurity events, innovative events, you know, th that they have out there. And everywhere you go, you come back with something to do. Um, yeah, that's where the years ago, the mobile, when mobile was brand new, it was barely being talked about. That's where the idea of, hey, let's build a library to prevent people from hacking the products uh -huh. that we put out. That came out of that. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, is there is there anything else you want to share with us about the work that you do? Congratulations again on your Service to the Citizen Award. And um we look yeah, forward to honoring I, you know, everybody. It's I thank you for that. I you know, I'm in my 60s. It's I'm at the end. So one of the things that I've learned is as folks enter their 50s, it's time to start mentoring others and giving that knowledge back. Um, one thing I was taught from my very first job that I do until today is there better be two people who can do your job in your absence. So I'd like to see people do more of that. You know, you don't like those stovepipes. Share knowledge, work together, and communicate, and and good things will happen. Is what I think. It's it's amazing how wise you get with years, isn't it? Yeah, I have my yeah. I have my own yeah. share of like gray hair here, so I, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. why uh, this 
this is this is my you know way of kind of sharing best practices and and uh, success across the government with other people. So uh, nice. don't don't be surprised if people start reaching out to you about oh how do you do this or you know this is really um, exciting um, work. No problem. So, it, it's yeah, it's all good. Okay. Well, if there's nothing else that you want to talk about, I I, I love the way you closed it and the, the leadership and sharing um, of information. And I totally agree about having people who can do your job because you never know um, what's going to happen. Yeah. So thank you again for your time and for your service. And um, I look forward to, I, I know we won't see you on the, on the 15th, but we'll be honoring you. Um, in spirit and in, with your boss. I'll be there virtually. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the CX Tipping Point podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have a chance, please rate and review, hit subscribe to keep up with the new episodes and pass it along to a friend. And in the meantime, follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and tweet us at Doris Consulting.